0: Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Jeff Griffin.
1: Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, stories of inspiring achievements and community contribution. Every week, we will celebrate an award program category winner or finalist. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know that Australia is in good hands. Together with our corporate partners and not-for-profit partners, Awards Australia showcase ordinary people from right across Australia doing extraordinary things. If you enjoy hearing the stories of our inspirational Australians, please subscribe, rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate it. I'm really excited to chat with this week's podcast guest. Brittany Hayward Brown is a passionate environmental change maker working on threatened species in the territory. Brittany, great to have you on the podcast today.
0: Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolute pleasure. I really appreciate your time and, of course, all that you do in the community, particularly uh, in the environmental space. So, Brittany, what initially inspired you down the track of environmental protection and conservation?
0: Well, as I was thinking about this question earlier, I realised it's quite a long-winded story. (laughs) I've always been really interested in the bush and the plants and animals around me, kind of growing up in regional Australia in, um, in Northern Territory, but I didn't really take a uh, kind of keen interest in the environmental protection conservation space. Probably until my early twenties, I went traveling with a high school friend of mine who's a really passionate person, and she was involved with Tater Oil Blue, which is a marine debris cleanup organization. And she kind of really opened my eyes to marine debris, the impact of marine debris, and plastic pollution, and just the waste crisis in general. And yeah, she really kind of like helped me dip my toe into that space by being a bit more aware of it and then from there I became so much more aware of the different environmental issues that we face especially climate change I think the younger generation is really on top of that right now but my generation it was kind of like a bit of a fringe issue when we were in high school and yeah became a lot more aware of how climate change actually has such a large impact on the world and on humans. So when I realized the link between climate change and global conflict, when things like extreme weather events, driving people out of regional areas and into cities and creating unrest and conflict and human suffering, really, it really opened my eyes and made me wonder, what could I do? What could I do to make a difference? And if you wonder why I talk about human suffering, it's because I see humans as intrinsically linked with our environment. Our well-being is so dependent on having healthy and functioning ecosystems. So without that, we we have nothing. So that really kind of spurred me on and when I finally came back to Darwin after traveling for a few years I picked up my science degree again and got into ecology and that really kind of connected me much more with my home because I was learning about the plants and animals and ecosystems and I think that connection really spurred my desire to care more for our environment and that really is kind of one of my like Core ethos, I guess, about connection creates care. So I really think being connected with our environment and with each other helps us want to care more for each other and our environment. So, yeah, I hope that gives a bit of a context behind what drives me and the work that I do in this space.
1: Yeah, definitely. And thanks so much for seeing the need and taking the challenge. We need more people like you, really. Uh, championing the environment and uh, encouraging every one of us to do our little bit. Mm. And you were born in the Territory, you grew up there, of course, Uh, and I'm sensing from your response that that has been part of shaping your attitude to the environment and uh, caring for it. Would you say that's been a major factor?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. It's been it's been huge. It's being from the Northern Territory and growing up here is a huge part of my identity. When I go out bush, I feel so connected to it. It's hard to ever imagine leaving. And yeah, I, th- I think that is a really huge part of why I do what I do. And the the NT it's a really wide and varied place so I mean you have the tropical savannas in northern Australia all the way down to the arid centre for me I kind of grew up between Darwin and Bachelor which is in the kind of top end region of the NT it's been more tropical tropical savannas some rainforest that kind of thing so I guess that's the area that I identify with the most but I think that Having that kind of sense of identity um, positions me well to look feel like I want to care for this part of the world. Um, it's it's so different to Southern Australia. So many people aren't aware of the unique challenges that we face up here. Yeah, it's, it's just a huge part of why I do what I do and what motivates me.
1: There are unique, unique challenges, but there's also so much beauty. Beauty, not just in the environment, the landscape and all that you see, but in the people. The Mm. people are wonderful and it's probably my favourite place to visit in Australia when I travel the country Mm. with the awards programs. I look forward the most to coming to the Territory because the people are really lovely as well, just very genuine, caring people who want to make a difference but you also enjoy the weather and the beauty that you see all around you. And I can understand why you so jealously want to protect the environment uh, and its conservation.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's such a unique, really, really unique place. And yeah, I think the people that live here, they feel that as well. People live here because they want to be surrounded by nature. And it really is just all around us you know like just this morning um i had a golden tree snake in the house and we had wow. to get that re- we had to have that uh, removed it was beautiful but um not in the house please <laughs> yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i think while we have some development here and development is increasing people really see the value of our natural environment and keeping it intact so i think we have a really motivated group of people up here
1: yeah, fantastic. And of course, whilst you're studying at CDU, you help reactivate Enviro Collective. So, what is Enviro Collective, and and what are the main objectives?
0: So, Enviro Collective is a student group. CDU. It was first initiated, I think, in two thousand and nine, um, and the students created a community garden. So it has. Quite a rich history, but the group itself was really about environmental advocacy and conservation, especially on campus because the Charles Darwin University campus they they have quite a few, but the Casuarina one where I was based in also had like a really nice patch of remnant vegetation. The Catherine one has like thousands of hectares of vegetation. There's there's a lot of natural biodiversity assets there. So yeah, we really kind of. Focused on connections, so connecting people to each other and their environment. I think especially in the environmental space, it can be quite challenging and sometimes you can feel like you're the only one that cares about these issues. So to connect with like-minded people is really important for your well-being. Advocacy, so to kind of raise awareness about the natural values we have on campus or awareness of different environmental issues and also conservation, so doing action on the ground to um, improve those values. Yeah, so that's really what the group was focused on.
1: And you're pretty passionate. You were president in 2019 and 2020, I believe. Mm. What were the highlights and the lessons you took from the experience?
0: Yeah, it was a really great experience. I had really no idea what I was getting into. (laughs) Uh, Kind of forming a student group with my fellow students, but we had a really fun time. It was really empowering. I felt like we were given the opportunity and the platform to make a difference and, yeah, really kind of shout our message from the rooftops and have other people get on board with that message. And, yeah, it was really, really encouraging. It was great to work with my friends, my fellow students towards a common goal and meet other like-minded people. So we used to collaborate a lot with other environmental groups in the community. So there was that kind of like networking aspect. And in that role as well, I learned a lot of other skills, like I guess you would call them soft skills that you might not get in your university degree normally. Uh, leadership skills, finding what kind of motivates your team and like orientating your goals as a group towards that, delegating, time management, planning and organisation, that kind of stuff. It just like added a whole nother level to my university experience. And I would recommend getting involved with a student group so highly to anyone else who is studying. It was such an enriching experience.
1: Yeah, good advice. And I think it's called karma, isn't it? You give and you gain, uh, and that's the way the world should work. And it's wonderful to partner, to meet other like-minded people who want to make a difference Mm. as well. And that's the beauty of of the Young Achiever Awards, of course, and our Community Achievement Award Program too, is that we partner with like-minded sponsor partners. We get to meet like-minded young people Who just want to make a difference, who are about making change, like Mm -hmm. yourself, and that is so rewarding for us to have a job that we get paid, but uh, have the privilege of being a part of something special. Which I can see is exactly what you're saying about the work you do, and of course, in this particular moment, the Enviro Collective. How many members? were involved during that period and what were some of the actual events and educational activities that you were involved with?
0: Well in 2020 when I was last president of the group and had 52 student members and about 19 non-students so we were open to the community so kind of any other interested people could join and we had some other community members on our general committee as well to kind of help guide us which was um, a really great addition. Yeah so we had lots of activities driven around our core values which were to encourage environmentally friendly behaviours, promote the values of the local environment and connect with like minded people. So some of the kind of educational events aimed at covering across all of those were um, native plant walks so in that remnant patch of bushland we used to kind of take people out there and they could learn about the native plants and what types what time of the season they were flowering or fruiting and, and that kind of thing because the savannas up here the the savannas which are sort of the dominant vegetation type it's very dynamic very interesting I find um so that kind of thing has kind of like raised awareness of like what's in people's backyards and we did bird walks as well so um what's associated with that vegetation we also did So conversations around climate change, so there's this thing called Climate for Change where you get people in to talk about climate change and how they can take action on that. We did some Science Week events, uh, DIY beeswax wrap workshops to help people remove plastic from their lives and we did some kind of educational videos around that as well. So yeah, it it was mainly a lot of educational events to bring people together and also raise awareness of the local environment. Yeah, it was very rewarding.
1: It was mainly a lot of, a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Stuff. We were very busy and the group is still active. So if there's any CDU students that are listening to this, it kind of had a bit of a quiet period, but now it's uh, coming back up again as student groups do because they're all volunteer-led. But yeah, so if anyone's interested in that, we can maybe put a link to the group in the show notes.
1: Yeah, and I think things and organisations are driven by the passion of the leaders mm. by and large. So that's great that it's been reactivated again. And, mm. and, of course, whilst you were involved, you won the Territory NRM Environment Conservation Award in 2020 for the work you've done. Can you share a bit about why the, the group received that award?
0: Yeah, that was a huge honour for us, especially as a volunteer group of students that were doing it all in our spare time. It was amazing. And there were so many other amazing people in that category and at that award ceremony. So we were nominated for our conservation on campus program, which was pretty much focused on what I just spoke about, but really aimed at conserving the natural values on campus and kind of raising the awareness of those natural values within the university with the aim of protecting them and making it priority, kind of not just within the student base, but actually the university administration acknowledging that. So we we did a lot of education, um, awareness raising, and some advocacy, and as well kind of management actions. So those educational events that I spoke about, the native plant works walks, the board walks. We, used, we had a PhD student that had put cameras in the bushland and we got endangered animals on there, threatened species. So um, we really tried to share that information widely within the university to let people know that that bushland has that value. We also advocated for a student sustainability representative on the sustainability leadership group which is kind of at the higher levels of the university and also in the cdu student council because we saw that there wasn't really a connection between the higher levels and the students in what they wanted to see in terms of sustainability so advocating for those roles and having a student representative there really kind of allowed for that line of connection and communication to continue through and to be able to kind of share information from the top and the bottom levels up so for example finding threatened species on campus that's a pretty important finding and we also the group in the past had done some weed management so there's a really invasive grass that if you kind of let it go it will just take over and it really increases the risk of fire in an area so the group had advocated and also worked on removing that grass, gamba grass. And we'd also done and advocated for some pest animal management. So feral cats, they're a huge risk to small mammals and birds and reptiles. So we kind of engaged in a trapping program around that and also an educational program with the international student house that was on campus just to let us know if they'd seen any stray cats and also work on cane toad management so cane toads are a pest species that a lot of reptiles if they eat them they die and they've led to yeah quite a large reduction in the numbers of um, native reptiles like goannas. yeah so it was really focused on kind of conserving and raising awareness of the natural values on campus and uh, to receive the Territory Natural Resource Management, Environment and Conservation Award in acknowledgement of the work we were doing was really humbling and, yeah, great to know that we're on the right track.
1: Well, you very much value adding to CDU campus as well in mm-hmm. all that you do. And, of course, CDU are a longtime sponsor of the Young Achiever Awards and make such a difference in providing leadership and change makers to the community. So what you're doing is really giving back to CDU. So brilliant for all of your group, but you also personally volunteer regularly with other local environmental groups, don't you? And why do you volunteer so much? I really enjoy
0: volunteering. I just see it as a way to kind of broaden my impact and to be able to meet other like-minded people. And as well, it's really important to my well-being. Like, like I mentioned before, when you're quite passionate um, about environmental issues, it can take a bit of a mental toll. So um, yeah, it kind of covers off on a lot of bases and also getting physical out in the environment, it's great. It's great for your physical well-being too. So I uh, volunteer with Birdlife Top End, which is a branch of Birdlife Australia, a non-for-profit organization aimed at preventing extinctions of birds and I'm the conservation advocacy officer there. And I took on that role because I see birds as a they're kind of like a gateway to conservation for the kind of everyday person because people really, when they go a place they really notice the birds or people are always talking about what birds they see in their backyards they're just kind of really passionate about it and i feel that when people are starting to notice the birds uh, then they can take notice of what kind of processes might be threatening or impacting on them for example some one person told me that in one of the suburbs in darwin once the kind of bushland next to the suburb was developed they had significantly less birds in their backyard. So that's kind of like a connection between noticing what birds are around them and how land clearing has impacted that. So, yeah, I just find that a really kind of interesting connection that people make and I think it's, yeah, it's a good place to start when talking about conservation and I also organise some community events in that role as well. Uh, I also volunteer with... Friends of Casuarina Coastal Reserve Land Care Group. So they have a couple of rehabilitation sites and they have working bees every month. And I like to go along just because it's kind of a nice Sunday morning activity to do where you will weed or kind of water some plants um, or plant trees as well. And yeah, it's just a, yeah, it's really nice to be outside and just kind of chatting with a lot of these like-minded people. And there's some older people there that have some really amazing knowledge that I like to try and soak up as much as I can.
1: <laughs> and it gives a sense of satisfaction, a bit like having your own garden, yeah, growing things, the satisfaction that you see that you're making a difference and things are yeah. uh, growing or thriving because of the weeding and the watering. What a, yeah! It's sort of a combination of everything that you do that yeah. makes a difference, isn't it?
0: Definitely, over the long term, you start to see some differences, and even something as small as, um, like pulling a bunch of vines off this kind of little paperback tree. Like you just get this sense of satisfaction, like oh, I, I did something today. I made a difference. This tree isn't going to get smothered by vines and die. <laughs> so it's it's really small, but I think I think those kind of those small actions are the the things that all add up. And they can make a difference and also they make a difference to your well-being.
1: And it's a great example because for each of us, uh, our listeners, a tiny bit can make a difference and lots of tiny bits make a huge difference. And I think sometimes we think we have to do too much and maybe don't do anything because we don't know where to start. But That's any right. Little thing, for example, we play tennis on a Saturday morning, which is not very environmentally supportive in that I'm not doing anything major with my time but one of the guys that we play with every time we pause for a second or someone hits the ball over the fence he'll just sneak out and do a little bit of weeding. Oh yeah that's awesome. it's, It's amazing and over a period of time we think oh we're all conscious of okay there is a little weed out there we might just go and Get rid of that. Now, that's very insignificant, but if everybody was a little bit more conscious of the odd thing every time you went for a walk, you mm. I just, well, we took a couple of weeds out being conscious of not pulling out someone's flowers or mm-hmm. shrubs by mistake, yeah, it, you know, it just made me think it Would every, every tiny little thing would make a total collective big difference.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's really about the the kind of mental shift. Really, it's about being conscious of what's around you, and I don't think it stops there. You know, you kind of do one little thing, then you think, oh, what else can I do? Or like, oh, I see this issue. Um, how how can I make a difference? And I think it just builds. Yeah, and it's all about having consciousness of what what is going on.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. That's exactly right. It does lead you to the next thing because mm. you're conscious of doing one thing and you've started, you you do keep going. I think you're 100% right. And you also work on threatened species projects in the NT. You work with land managers to improve the trajectory of species at risk of extinction. Can you tell us about some of the projects and outcomes of your work?
0: Yeah, so since finishing up at CDU and graduating, I worked on some threatened species research projects at CDU and this year I've just started with Territory Natural Resource Management on the threatened species team. So we have threatened species projects across the whole of the Northern Territory. We have seven of them. We're working on the Northern Hopping Mouse, the Brush-tailed Rabbit Rat, the White throated Grass Wren, the Alligator Rivers Yellow Chat, the Central Rock Rat, the Greater Bilby, and we have one plant the Central Australian Cabbage Palm. <laughs> yeah, so the kind of main aim of these projects, which are all funded through the Australian Government's National Land Care Program, to improve or maintain the trajectory of these species. So basically to make sure that they don't get worse, that they don't get any closer to extinction and hopefully they actually get better because the whole aim of those of us that work on threatened species is to actually get them off the threatened species list. We don't want to see them on there and we want them to be downlisted based on an actual recovery. So that's kind of the main aim of the project. And yeah, the the funding really is to support management aimed at the recovery of these species. So um, mostly focused on threat management and a lot of the threats are actually kind of similar across the species and I find that that is feral animals either predating such as like feral cats eating small mammals or feral herbivores changing the habitat of the animals kind of reducing the amount of food available to them for example by eating all the grasses invasive grasses as well they can be really kind of ecosystem altering as we're seeing with gamber grass that's a huge issue in the top end and buffle grass in central australia and also fire management so fire is just a huge part of our ecosystems in north australia Um, it's always been here and indigenous people have used fire to manage the landscape for tens of thousands of years We kind of work a lot with indigenous ranger groups to implement these management actions to improve these species habitat and their populations. It's really positive work. We do a lot of monitoring as well. So we need to get kind of our baseline information of kind of how many of these animals are there uh, or how much of an area they occupy. And then we implement these management actions and then we aim to see what kind of effect that has had I've only just started this year in January so I've kind of come in halfway through a lot of these projects so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what's coming up over the next 18 months but yeah I find it really encouraging work and particularly one of the species that we work on the central rock rat that was assessed as the mammal most likely to go extinct in Australia in 2018 and since then since that research came out It's had a lot of funding and um, a lot of attention, which is really great. That's kind of the aim of the research. And um, in a recent workshop that we ran on the species, I found that a lot of the people were feeling really positive about the outcome of the species and the upcoming management actions. And when you work in threatened species, it is kind of rare to come across that level of positivity. And it was just really encouraging. Like, It was great to see that these that uh, these actions and the, the funding going into the species was making a difference.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Are there any other special moments and outcomes of your work? Can you see the light at the end of the tunnel for any of the other threatened species that you mentioned? Or is it too early in the process?
0: Yeah, I think it's a bit early in the process to say with some of these species... As I said, yeah, I've come in halfway through. Mostly a lot of them we are, we are worried about them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, time will tell. But something that I'm really looking forward to that's coming up is I'm um, going on a big bout of field work. I'm about to leave next week. I've got three back-to-back field trips going out to Garigunak Gunakbalu National Park or also known as Coburg National Park. For a week, uh, going going out to the Waterkin IPA, which is just east of Kakadu, and going out to Groot Island. So, uh, going to a lot of special places in the NT that I wouldn't normally get a chance to see. So, I'm really looking forward to that, and also looking forward to the people that work out there. Uh, so, the land managers, and a lot of them are Indigenous ranger groups. So, I'm yeah, I'm really looking forward to to meeting these people and kind of understanding what makes those areas and those species special to them
1: would be there would be a lot to learn from yeah. our first nations people from the indigenous land managers uh, their knowledge would be extraordinary i imagine is there much collaboration done with first nations people in terms of how they may have worked with threatened species at, you know or uh, particular forms of wildlife for sustainability? Is there anything that can be of assistance in that regard that you, you work with First Nations people on?
0: I guess what springs to mind is one of the species we work on, the white of grassland. It is culturally significant to the groups that belong to the Arnhem Land Sandstone Country. So in terms of like some of the sites that we're going to survey for this species, they were informed by traditional owners uh, where they'd had knowledge of them being before and that was also coupled with some habitat modelling that was done. So in some ways I would say that's two-way science, using this kind of Western science methodology and then using First Nation science to figure out where we're going to survey for this species so yeah there's I think there's definitely um, a lot of people are working with Indigenous peoples to protect manage survey for threatened species Uh, there's definitely room for improvement in how much that is done and how that is done you need to make sure you're being respectful and ethical when you are engaging with Indigenous people, but as as the first people of fifth land, they have so much knowledge and history and tradition that we can really learn from.
1: Yeah, brilliant. That's, um, That's exciting. How does the work you do fit your values of belonging and making a difference?
0: Well, the work that I do with Territory MRM and also with um, Birdlife Australia or Birdlife Top End, yeah, I'm here based in the NT, and I'm working with people on the ground who are kind of based in these places, these localized places, to make a difference. So to me, it's like I've I've got my sense of belonging. I'm here in the NT, and I'm working with other people to make a difference. That's kind of yeah, the it definitely does fit with my values.
1: The climate and biodiversity crisis can often be overwhelming for people, particularly young people, who can really see the need to make change, Uh, and it can lead to Um, eco-anxiety. How do you suggest people tackle these issues and look after their mental health?
0: Well, yeah, um, as I mentioned before, I think volunteering is a, a huge way to kind of, do both of these things so if you read some of the kind of information out there on eco-anxiety and how you can can combat that a lot of it is taking action so taking action is a, a huge way to not only connect with like-minded people but also to feel like you're doing something that isn't contributing to the crises so yeah, it's like seeking out groups that kind of align with your values, picking a couple of issues that you're really passionate about. So whether it's um, plastic pollution or action on climate change or stopping extinctions, working with birds, you kind of figure it out what, what you really are passionate about. Pick Pick those one or two things and then go and seek out those groups that align with that. And then you'll kind of find ways to talk to people about what you're concerned about and how you can take action on that that's definitely a huge way that people can work towards combating eco anxiety and also tackling those huge crises and another way definitely is if you're a young person make sure you're enrolled to vote and that your vote counts most of the funding that that comes towards um, in the environment comes from the government so you need to make sure that Your boat is going in the right direction, that the environmental issues you care about are going to get the funding that they need.
1: Good advice. And I guess there's a a large amount of satisfaction in uh, feeling that you're contributing to a threatened species. Um, being able to survive or making a contribution to whatever form of the environment that you're passionate about. For you personally, it must be terribly satisfying to know that you're making a difference for threatened species.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I do really enjoy the work that I do. It takes me some really interesting places and, yeah, just even learning about the different threatened species and the roles that they play.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's great. Well, did not being nominated for and then becoming a finalist in the NT Young Achiever Awards last year help you at all?
0: Yeah, it did. It helped me realise that I was on the right track with the work that I was doing. It can really, um, it can be easy to kind of get stuck in the nitty-gritty of the day-to-day, but when someone nominates you and recognises you for the work that you're doing, it kind of helps you feel a bit more appreciated and that what you're doing is making a difference
1: yeah some of the words that I hear most often are validation and confidence and it yeah definitely that, as you're saying it provides that validation for what you're doing but it gives you confidence in knowing that people think enough of what you're doing to submit a nomination which I think is one of the wonderful things the most beautiful thing about a nomination is people like yourself don't look for accolades you do what you do because it really needs to be done because you're passionate about making a difference but that's what makes an appreciation of what you do all the more special the fact that someone would nominate you unsolicited is a really lovely thing doesn't matter what it is you know any compliment that we get in appreciation of things that we do is special no matter what it is our work our social life, our sports, our passion, it doesn't matter. Being Right, yeah. It's so, so important and it's like a smile. It doesn't take much, but it can really have a lasting impact on us.
0: I just think that it's really important that we take time to celebrate actually because the world is full of a lot of really hard and sad things. So if we have the time and the opportunity to celebrate, I really think that we should. And the Young Achiever Awards are all about that because it can be hard being a young person. So, yeah, navigating all of the issues that we face, um, it's, yeah, it's just kind of good to take the time to celebrate what you're doing.
1: There's so much information out there these days and young people have to deal with so much for the good and the bad. And uh, it is, it's very, very difficult. It's very stressful. Uh, It's very mentally draining. And uh, you're right, any celebration that we can be a part of is really critical. So what do you remember that stands out about last year's gala presentation dinner?
0: Just being surrounded by so many other passionate young people. Definitely. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was... It was really great to see all the different categories and all the different people that were nominated and the work that they were doing. It was really inspiring to be in the same room. And I was lucky enough this year to also be able to go along to this year's award ceremony because I had nominated somebody myself um, that I thought was doing really great work. And yeah, it was it was awesome to see some of the progression as well of um, some of the people like Uh, Sizzle Foyana. So last year she was a finalist in the Small Business Achievement Award and this year she took out the NT uh, Government's Youth Leadership Award and I just, her speech had me in tears and I think she's just doing some really, really amazing work because uh, there's a lot of young people out there who are hurting and they need they need support, um, and she understands that better than anyone. So, yeah, to see the kind of progression of people there, and to see people like myself that have been nominated the year before and they were there supporting their friends, it was just yeah, it's really wholesome. I really loved it.
1: <laughs> That's a beautiful word, wholesome, and it 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 is lovely. And it was so good that you've nominated someone and you're paying it forward, uh, and that is the special part about the awards is appreciating the value it adds for you, but then paying that forward and giving the chance to someone else to mm. have that experience as well. And uh, I'm sorry I didn't see you. It would have been lovely because mm-hmm. I agree, the sizzle and many of our our finalists and winners were extraordinary. All of them were extraordinary, but there are many fabulous speeches and mm-hmm. just being feeling the passion that oozed from them, the pride with them getting up. Uh, to receive their award like Sizzle was just wonderful. And, uh, you know, to having so many ministers and senators and extraordinary people, young people there was a real thrill.
0: Hmm. Thank you so much for like all the work that you and your team do to put on these awards as well because they do mean a lot.
1: Well, thank you. It's absolutely our pleasure and delight to be a part of So, what keeps you going, Brittany? Times are, as we said, are not always easy, and a lot of pressures. What drives you?
0: I would say it's definitely the people around me. Um, There's so many young people as well, people younger than myself. I'm probably on the higher end of the young achiever (laughs) list now. who are coming up and doing some amazing things, especially in the environment space, advocates for climate change action, just so so brave and speaking out. It's, yeah, it's really, really inspiring. And I also just feel inspired by the environment around me every day. I just love, I love going, like I live in an apartment, but I live very close to the ocean and I go for walks frequently. And we've got, Gouldian finches really close to the city at the moment, which is just a huge deal. They were my um, study species when I did my honours, and they don't, they've never really come up this far to the coast before. So to have them so close in our backyard and to be able to kind of go out birding so frequently when it's just down the road, yeah, it's really, really special. So that definitely drives me.
1: Fantastic. Is that what motivates you too? What else motivates you to? Be so positive and keep doing
0: what you're doing. Oh, I think I'm a kind of a bit of an eternal optimist in a way. Yeah, I always like to see the best in people and hope for the best. I think even though we're facing some pretty significant crises, the the value of people, people power is huge. Going to some of the climate change protests was so empowering when you see that many people in one place all asking for the same thing yeah that that is incredibly motivating for sure and also um I don't mean to put a huge dampener on things but like there's a bit of fear involved as well like like I mentioned with eco-anxiety you know there there is a fear that If we don't take action now on a lot of these issues, future generations are going to miss out on a lot of the things that we have enjoyed and I think that's incredibly unfair on them.
1: Yeah, and fear is not a bad word. It's not a bad thing. It's how we deal with fear. What do we do about it? What causes our fear and how do we change that? How do we react to it, which I think is what, young people do so beautifully. They understand the problem and the fear that's associated with the issue, but they then go about making a difference and trying to change that.
0: Yeah, you definitely see the the kind of mobilisation of that, especially with the school strike for climate movement. Yeah, I think that's huge. And that's definitely, you know, talking about eco-anxiety, you know, that, that fear. It can be debilitating for a lot of people and, and it's real. So definitely finding those ways to take action is huge. But I didn't mention before, but I think a huge aspect as well is speaking to, a, um, speaking to a professional if you're experiencing eco-anxiety. I think it's really helpful.
1: Yeah, good advice. Good advice. What's the biggest hurdle we have to overcome as a country regards the environment now, threatened species as well?
0: This is a really great question. Great question, because there are so many things um, that we could be doing better, I think, in my opinion. But just thinking specifically about threatened species, Australia has a really high track record of uh, extinctions. So we're kind of fifth in the world and 35% of all mammal extinctions historically have been in Australia. And we have lost more mammal and plant species since European colonisation, so in the last 200 years, than any other country. So that's a pretty dismal track record, uh, in my opinion. So there's a a couple of things that I think that we can do um, to try to stop going down that trajectory. I worked on a research project last year where we assessed the extinction risk of Australia's most threatened species. And that paper is going to be coming out soon, which I'm very excited because I think it has far-reaching implications. But a huge thing that that we noticed with a lot of the species that we were assessing is that 25 of the 63 species we assessed were not listed under threatened species legislation. And that is huge because when something is listed under threatened species legislation, so... That's the Environment Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act. It's afforded certain protections and quite often that means then it's going to be prioritised for funding. So kind of at the top level, that's a very urgent thing that needs to be done. A lot of the threats that face our threatened species are quite similar, as I mentioned before. You've got feral predators, so cats and foxes. They have a huge impact on uh, eating native animals, billions, every year. Competitors as well, so competitors for food or shelter, those kinds of resources. Land clearing, that's a huge issue in a lot of places in Australia. And fire, so um, another research project I was involved in last year found that the black summer bushfires caused or contributed to the population declines in 70 to 82 animals and that would warrant them being listed as threatened. So they weren't listed as threatened but now they should be. So Mm. that's, um, yeah, that's quite a big finding. So in addition to listing these threatened species, they also need um, increased funding. So funding in terms of immediate recovery to uh, disasters. So things like the Black Summer bushfires to have a funding pool that can be mobilised immediately to help with kind of immediate recovery actions. That's a really important aspect of threatened species and also more long-term funding. So I think you find with a lot of environment projects is that they're funded on a three-year basis, which aligns with the, you know, political world. But it doesn't necessarily align with the natural world, especially in dynamic ecosystems like the North Australian savannas. So I think having more kind of long-term funding over five-year projects, 10-year projects, that would make a lot more sense.
1: Yeah, yeah definitely and i and i can see and understand that with a natural disaster like a fire action needs to be taken immediately to protect to ensure our threatened species subsequently are protected looked after and plans are put into place mm. or to ensure that that looked after as quickly as possible to stop that from happening
0: yeah definitely um and also yeah the long-term and high quality monitoring that that needs to be funded as well so you kind of know what's going on with them before a huge disaster hits so you can understand what impact it's had and then how you can respond yes yeah and um yeah definitely i mean above all one of the biggest hurdles that we face is um inaction on climate change we need to make sure that we're decarbonizing and reducing our reliance on fossil fuels now it's yeah it's people have been asking it for it for 30 50 years because we know what's happening and and if we don't do it soon um yeah it's it's gonna be a disaster. Be <laughs> that's the that's the fear that I'm talking about.
1: Yeah. Well, you're very passionate, Brittany, that's for sure. What's next for Brittany?
0: <laughs> so I'm really happy to continue on in my job at the moment, working with the threatened species with Territory NRM. Um yeah, I think that's gonna that's a really rewarding job. So I'm yeah, that that's kind of going to be my plan for the next few years, and continue volunteering as well. And um, yeah, I'll be advocating to see more action on climate change.
1: Fantastic. On a slightly different track, what's something that we might not know about you? Something quirky, maybe, or is there a hobby or something that outside of your work or a fun fact?
0: Well. I actually uh, lived and worked in Canada for a couple of years when I spoke about going traveling for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. I took a, I started my science degree, but kind of wasn't really that into it when I was 20. So all I wanted to do was travel and I lived in Canada and worked on ski resorts for a couple of seasons. And yeah, it was a really awesome experience. Um, I also got involved with the wine industry when I worked over there, so yeah, um, I've done a couple of vintages in the wine industry in Canada and in Australia. So, yeah, that was a really uh, fun and formative experience as well.
1: Awesome. So what wine do you recommend?
0: Oh, well, I mean, the winery that I worked at was Wirra, Wirra and I worked specifically on their Chardonnay, so I will always recommend the 12th Man Chardonnay.
1: Beautiful. <laughs> and uh are you a skier can you uh, are you a an excellent skier now
0: um I learnt to snowboard and I wouldn't say that I'm excellent (laughs) but I certainly had a lot of fun
1: well that is key having fun in whatever it is that you're doing is very important
0: yeah Yeah, it's definitely it was a great experience because it taught me to get out of my comfort zone because I I'm not a very sporty person. So, to like take up a kind of new sporty activity at the age of 20 um, on my own it was, it was a really big deal and it was really out of my comfort zone. And yeah, just kind of gaining that skill is really confidence building.
1: Awesome. Do you have any other words of wisdom or encouragement for our listeners?
0: Yeah, I'd just like to echo something that you said earlier about the small things add up. I really think that you can take action in your own sphere of influence and that can have a ripple effect. You might not realise at the time, but you might be affecting people that you don't even really realise with your positive actions. So, I just encourage you that if you're feeling a bit down about some of the global situations, to act local, definitely.
1: Yeah. Do your little bit and that can help, can As you said, volunteering with people who are like-minded can mm-hmm. lift you as well because you feed off the energy of others. Uh, and sometimes I think no matter what it is that we do, we can feel alone am I carrying the burden myself? Is anybody else doing their bit? And I say that very broadly because we know people are, but it's nice Mm. to know that there are others that are doing the same thing as you, but equally passionate, want to see change, want to make a difference, and that can help you as well. But, yeah, that's that's great advice, Brittany.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like. The Enviro Collective was a huge, huge one that made me realise that, um, you know, that was kind of at the beginning of my environmental advocacy journey, and I was feeling a bit alone. And then to meet like-minded people and be volunteering and working together to make a difference—it was just, yeah, it was huge. And yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't recommend volunteering more. It might feel like a really kind of small action that maybe it doesn't make a big difference but you just don't know what the ripple effect is
1: and it might inspire someone else to do the same who yes might that's right someone else who might inspire someone
0: else well I think a good example is my friend Mathilde who I mentioned at the very beginning of the story um, shout out to my friend Mathilde Gordon she's She's a um, really great advocate. She's the one that kind of opened my eyes to plastic pollution and ways that we can reduce plastic in our lives and action that we can take. And so she inspired me and then I've gone on to do the work that I'm doing and kind of spread the message and then that's gone out to other people. And then I've had other people who followed me on social media who said, oh, wow, like, that's, I never knew that and um, I really like your video showing like the kind of swaps you can do, you know, to reduce your single plastics and now I've started doing that and then they'll go on and tell their friends. So, yeah, that, that's the kind of impact that I'm saying, like you you don't really realise but it is making a difference.
1: 100% and people like yourself have inspired Annette to, um, who's our producer, of course, and my lovely wife. Who uh, doesn't use any plastic or Glad wrap or anything like that where humanly possible? And I mm-hmm. talked about the little green aliens that cover everything that <laughs> <laughs> wander around uh, as coverings for whatever it used to be used for—Glad uh, wrap and so on—and it's a good thing. You know, I always give her a bit of grief about it, not grief, a bit of uh, a bit of a stare about it, but it is yeah. awesome. It's awesome yeah. to know that you're doing. A tiny bit yeah. here and there
0: and yeah. if everybody's
1: doing their tiny bit it would uh, reduce plastic by a significant amount.
0: Yeah absolutely and like I said you know you do one small thing and then it kind of leads you to a larger thing so you know a, a government's action on plastic waste might be um, a huge issue for you at election time so you kind of vote accordingly you know so I think yeah. that those those are the kind of actions you can take.
1: And we are going to drown in plastic sooner mm. than later. If we don't.
0: Some places are already.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. So in Australia, we need to take responsibility for our own
1: waste. I don't think we realize how bad the situation is. So come mm. on, people, cut out that plastic.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: Yeah. Be, be aware of your threatened species. Be yeah. aware to uh, make a difference <laughs> where we can. We're yeah. all inspired.
0: Okay. yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, Brittany, I where, where can our listeners connect with you online to find out more about what you do
0: so you can find me on linkedin um just Brittany hayward brown or you can find me on instagram at british brown i uh, post a lot of kind of nature photographs and like videos of places that I go so yeah it's probably the main place and if you're a CDU student and you happen to be listening to this you can connect with Enviro Collective at Enviro Collective CDU on Facebook.
1: Fantastic and shout out again to CDU we love you guys you do a great job and you train people like Brittany to be (laughs) extraordinary humans. Brittany, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you today. You've inspired me. I hope you've inspired all of our listeners. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Um, I hope that some of the things I've said today have resonated with some other young people. And please do get in touch. Um, If anything I've said has kind of provoked any ideas, I'm always happy to have a chat.
1: So important. What's those uh, connection points again? How
0: uh, link, hold? LinkedIn
1: and Instagram. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope everybody's enjoyed my chat with Brittany as much as I have, and I hope that you, as I will need to do now to just make a little more difference for our environment. Let's think of ways that we can do that. It's really critical, as Brittany has uh, alluded And if you know an organisation or a business that might like to support our young people through the awards, get in touch with me and let me know who you're thinking of. Try Jeff at Awards Australia or visit awardsaustralia.com forward slash partner with us because uh, together we make a difference. And until next week, please stay safe and be kind and keep inspiring. See you next week. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I have. We would love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. Did you know that Awards Australia is a family-owned business that proudly makes a difference in the lives of those that make a difference for others? And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our award programs possible. Do you know someone that's making a difference? or maybe your business might like to sponsor an award, contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, awardsaustralia.com. It would be great if you could share this episode with your network, because who doesn't like a good news story? And please rate and review us. We would really love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference.